Part 2. Shittyside Village, 1865. Chapter 10. Whom will I be seated next to at the party tonight, father? Julia asked her father. Simon Fear glanced up from the documents he had been reading. Hmm, I believe I have you seated next to the mayor, Julia. Oh, no! Julia leapt up from her chair by the fireplace and marched purposefully to her father, who sat behind his small writing desk. Please, father, must I sit next to Mayor Bradford? You know the man is completely deaf. He cannot hear a word anyone says to him. Then that makes him the perfect dinner companion for you, my dear Julia, Simon replied cruelly, frowning over his square spectacles. You never utter a word at our dinner parties. You always sit in complete silence. So you and the mayor should be perfectly content. Father! Julia uttered an exasperated cry. Simon studied his oldest daughter with some sadness. She had her mother's beautiful black hair, but Julia's face was plain, her jaw too wide, her nose too long, her tiny gray eyes set too close together. She was quiet, withdrawn, and shy, with little personality. A disappointment to Simon. He had hoped that moving to Shadyside Village, where the Fear family was the wealthiest and most prominent family, would help pull Julia from her shell but she had become even more awkward and shy since the move. She is only happy at her potter's wheel, Simon thought, making vases and clay sculptures. That is the only time she smiles or shows any sign of enthusiasm. Father, I think you are being unfair to my sister. Hannah came bursting in from the back parlor. Julia can have my seat next to Mr. Claiborne. I am sure that she and that charming old man will find plenty to chatter about, if that is what concerns you. Simon set down his papers and climbed to his feet. His back ached as he stood. He realized he was getting older. He unfastened his stiff collar and pulled it off. No, I am sorry. I want you to sit next to that windbag Claiborne, he told Hannah. I want you to charm him, Hannah, as only you can. I need Claiborne's support for the library I wish to build. With his eyes trained on Hannah, Simon didn't see Julia's hurt expression. I am sure that Julia could handle Mr. Claiborne as well as I, Hannah insisted stepping behind her father's desk to give him a playful hug. No, Julia could not, Simon thought. Hannah, he knew, was the charming sister. At sixteen, she was tall, slender, and graceful, with wavy golden hair and lively brown eyes. She was as outgoing and lively as Julia was shy. Simon needed his younger daughter at his dinner parties. He relied on Hannah to charm and delight the guests and to keep the conversation lively. The table is already set, he told the girls. He removed Hannah's arms from around his waist and straightened the papers on the little desk. There will be no more discussion of this matter. Oh, father, Hannah complained with an exaggerated pout. I do not understand why we have so many of these endless boring dinner parties anyway, Julia said bitterly. Can you not build all your libraries and museums and parks without so many dinner parties? We have discussed this before, Simon replied impatiently. I need the support of the important citizens of Shadyside. Why must I say this all again, Julia? Julia took a deep breath, struggling to keep back her tears. Well, if you do not believe that I have the personality to grace your table, if you really believe the only place for me is to be seated in a corner next to a deaf man, then perhaps I shall stay in my room tonight, she cried. Simon opened his mouth to reply, but a sound in the doorway interrupted him. He and the girls turned to see Mrs. Mackenzie, the housekeeper, enter with a short red-haired girl in a maid's uniform. "'I am sorry to be interrupting, sir,' Mrs. Mackenzie said, rolling her white apron in her hands. "'But I am training Lucy here on the procedure for dusting.' 
Lucy is the new maid. She just started this week. She is helping us tidy up and get ready for the dinner party tonight. Lucy blushed and lowered her eyes. She was a tiny girl, Simon saw. No more than eighteen. She had orangey red hair pulled back into a tight bun, pale green eyes, and a tiny sharp nose like an upturned V. Go right ahead and dust, Mrs. Mackenzie, Simon said, happy that his discussion with Julia had been interrupted. I'm going upstairs now to speak with my wife about tonight. Now, Lucy, you be careful of Miss Julia's fine pottery here, Simon heard the housekeeper instruct, as he nodded goodbye to his daughters and made his way to the front stairs. Father, I wasn't finished, Julia called shrilly. Simon ignored her and continued down the long marble-floored hallway. As he reached the stairway, his three sons, Robert, Brandon, and Joseph, came bounding down, dressed in their riding outfits. And where might you be going, as if I could not guess, Simon asked. I am taking the boys for a short ride, Robert replied, straightening little Joseph's cap. My pony is waiting for me, five-year-old Joseph told his father. Be watchful in the woods, Simon warned Joseph. My horse balked at a snake yesterday afternoon, nearly threw me. I killed a snake, but there might be more. I am not afraid of snakes, Brandon declared. I step on them. Robert gave his younger brothers a gentle shove toward the door. Don't worry, father. I will take care of them. They went on their way, and Simon climbed the stairs, his mind on the dinner party just a few hours away. At the top of the stairs, a maid was polishing the mahogany banister. Simon stepped past her and hurried toward his wife Angelica's room. Angelica, he called eagerly from the hallway. Angelica, I have several matters to discuss with you, my dear. He stopped in her doorway, his hands on the door frame, and gasped. Angelica! Simon stared down at her. She was sprawled on the floor on her back, her black hair in disarray around her head, her green eyes staring blankly at the ceiling her mouth open. Angelica, not breathing, lifeless. Angelica, Simon cried. Oh, Angelica! Chapter 11 Simon's frightened cries aroused Angelica, and she sat up. She blinked once, twice, and smiled at him, her emerald eyes shining. Simon? Where am I? What is happening? she asked groggily. I, I found you on the floor, Angelica, Simon replied greatly relieved. I thought you were. The spirits, Angelica whispered, sitting up. The spirits called me, Simon. I must have swooned, fallen into a trance. I was frightened, Simon said, taking Angelica's slender white hands and pulling his wife to her feet. Angelica squeezed his hand affectionately. I slip in and out of my trances and cannot control them as I used to. She lowered herself to the edge of the bed, straightening her black hair with both hands. She looked tired. In the sunlight from the window, he could see that her once smooth face was lined, the skin tight and dry. Only her eyes retained their youthful glow. Angelica, perhaps it is time to put away the magic, to retire your dark arts, he said softly, standing over her. She gazed up at him in surprise. Simon, my powers have served us well, she said. She gestured around the luxurious bedroom. We have become even more wealthy, the wealthiest people in Shadyside. We have five wonderful children. We have succeeded because of our powers, yours and mine. I cannot give up now. But to enter your room and to find you lying unconscious on the floor, Simon started. Angelica raised a hand to silence him. When the spirits call, I must follow. She muttered a chant. Angelica, Simon, hush. The spirits will hear you. 
I will have to cast a cleansing spell to rid the house of your negative words. He sighed and paced the carpet in front of her. Let us change the subject, he said finally. Let us discuss the dinner party tonight. I have spoken to Hannah and Julia, and— I cannot attend the party. I am sorry, Simon, Angelica told him abruptly, climbing to her feet. He turned, startled, his face reddened. What? I read the cards this morning, Angelica told him with a shrug. They have advised against any kind of celebration. Angelica, I beg of you, Simon said heatedly. I need you this evening. As you know, this dinner party is most important. I am sorry, she replied, taking his arm. I cannot go against the cards. I cannot take that risk. I cannot tempt the vengeance of the spirits. I must always obey. Ask one of the girls to act as hostess, Simon. I will stay in my room tonight. The cards have instructed me. Simon sighed. He knew there was no point in arguing with his wife. He gazed at her with concern. Her dark powers had taken over her life, he realized. Her chants, her spells, her cards. They kept Angelica in her room four days at a time. The children worried about her and missed her, and now Simon realized that he, too, was worried. Give the cards another reading, Angelica, he urged, handing the deck of strange, colorful cards to her. Perhaps they will advise you differently this time. Very well, she replied softly, but I know what they will tell me. Smiling, she gave Simon a gentle shove toward the door. Go now, husband. Ask Hannah to serve as your hostess. She will charm your guests even better than I. Reluctantly, Simon bid her farewell and made his way from her room. He could hear her murmuring over the cards as he walked along the long hall to the front stairs. Simon was halfway down the stairs when he heard a loud, shattering crash from the parlor. Chapter 12 My favorite bowl! Julia was screaming as Simon rushed into the parlor. That was the best bowl I have ever made! I'm so sorry, miss, Lucy, the new maid, said quietly, staring down at the shattered pieces on the carpet. It, it just slipped from my hand. She covered her face with her hands. What has happened here? Simon demanded. Julia bent to pick up the largest piece of her bowl. Shattered, she said sadly, shaking her head. I told you not to hold it in one hand like that, Mrs. Mackenzie scolded Lucy. Lucy has dropped Julia's favorite pottery bowl, Hannah told Simon. She walked over to Lucy and Mrs. Mackenzie. I am sure you did not do it on purpose, Lucy. Go get a broom and clean it up. I told her not to hold it like that, Mrs. Mackenzie repeated fretfully. She gave the trembling maid a shove. Well, go on, girl. Let's be cleaning this mess up. And no more accidents, here. We have a lot to do before the guests start to arrive. Simon shook his head fretfully at Julia. I am certain you can make another bowl just like it, he said impatiently. We really have no time to worry about your pottery today. Hurt, Julia started to reply, but Simon turned quickly to Hannah. I will need you to be hostess tonight, Hannah. Your mother is not feeling well. The girls exchanged glances. Hannah took her father's arm. I shall be glad to take mother's place tonight, she said. But shouldn't Julia act as hostess? She is the oldest after all. Simon pulled away from her impatiently. Please, he cried sharply. Enough arguments and discussion for today. I asked you to be my hostess tonight, Hannah. I do not believe any further discussion is necessary. Before either of his daughters could reply, Simon stormed out of the room. Hannah turned to Julia who still held a shard of pottery in her hand. Father has no confidence in me, I am afraid, Julia remarked sadly. She let the piece fall to the carpet. Julia, I feel so bad, 
Hannah said with genuine feeling. But you know how father is, so headstrong and stubborn. Julia forced a smile. Dinner parties make me so nervous, but perhaps I can be a success tonight. Perhaps I can force father to change his mind about me. In the kitchen, Mrs. Mackenzie continued to scold Lucy. Be careful, my girl, she warned. You don't get many chances in this household. I will, I promise, Lucy replied meekly. Mrs. Mackenzie handed the maid a long sheet of paper with several names scrawled on it. Here, Lucy, you must sign the servants list. Lucy hesitated. But I cannot write, ma'am, she said, blushing. Mrs. Mackenzie took the paper from her. Very well, then. Tell me your complete name, child, and I will scribble it for you. My name is Lucy Good, the maid replied quietly. Mrs. Mackenzie started to write, then stopped. Her eyes narrowed as she trained them on the girl. Good, did you say? Lucy nodded. Well, I wouldn't be repeating that name around here if I was you, the old housekeeper advised. Mr. Fear is always talking about some family named Good that done him wrong. Keep the name to yourself, girl, if you wish to keep your job. Don't worry, Lucy replied, her eyes suddenly cold and hard. I won't be telling a soul. As the guests arrived that evening, Hannah stood beside her father, her lively brown eyes reflecting her excitement. Her gown was made of delicate white lace over green satin. A hoop underneath made the wide skirt hold its shape. The skirt was three-tiered, the hem of each green tier trimmed with white lace. Hannah wore short white lace gloves, and her gown had ruffled short sleeves. Her blonde hair was tied to one side in a tight bun, held in place by a corsage of yellow and white flowers. Julia's dress was simpler, white lace over pink velvet. The neckline dipped low, revealing her shoulders. Her shiny black hair, parted in the middle, fell gracefully in ringlets beside her face. You look wonderful tonight, Hannah whispered to her sister. She could see that Julia had taken extra care of her appearance. Father is sure to notice, Hannah whispered, doing her best to encourage Julia. Julia will never be a beauty, Hannah thought with some sadness. But when she dresses up, she looks quite lovely. If only she would smile more and not clasp her hand so tightly in front of her. Wine was served in Simon's library, the large square room furnished in dark wood furniture with its four walls of bookshelves, seemed to be the perfect setting for an evening devoted to discussing the Shadyside Village Library. Working hard to be a good hostess, Hannah moved from guest to guest, her eyes sparkling, her smile warm and genuine. She chatted and joked with Harlan Claiborne. She even managed to get a smile from sour old Mayor Bradford. A short while later, Simon led everyone to see his new collection of weapons and uniforms from the war between the states. Simon had been collecting swords and rifles from both the armies of the North and the South. After admiring Simon's collection, they were all summoned to the formal dining room for dinner. Simon led the way with Hannah on his arm. The majestic room was lighted entirely by candles. Silver candelabras glowing with tall, slender candles were placed every few feet along the center of the white Irish linen tablecloth. The silver dinner plates and delicate wine glasses shone in the soft, flickering light. You set a fine table, Simon, Harlan Claiborne declared grandly, taking his place next to Hannah. I have fine guests, Simon replied graciously. Father is certainly in a good mood tonight, Hannah thought gratefully. She had seen him become sullen and silent at parties that weren't going as planned. I do wish Mother were here, Hannah thought. She is ill so often lately. She spends so much time upstairs in her room that I am actually lonely for her. 
Hannah watched as Julia helped the old mayor into his chair at the far end of the table. Then Julia took her lonely place beside him. The mayor immediately reached for a loaf of bread. He took a piece for himself, Hannah saw, and didn't even offer the bread to Julia. Poor Julia, Hannah thought, lowering herself into her seat. Father can really be unfair at times. She turned her attention to Mr. Claiborne and began chatting with him about his horses. A few moments later, Lucy entered in a starched black uniform with a lacy white apron over it, carrying a large china tureen of soup. Starting at the head of the table, she served Simon Fear first, dipping a long-handled silver ladle into the tureen and filling his bowl with the soup. Very good, Lucy, Simon said approvingly. That is a very big tureen. Are you sure you do not need help with it? No, sir, Lucy replied meekly. Mrs. Mackenzie said I can do it on my own. She continued down the table, ladling the rich orangey-red soup into balls. What is this marvelous soup? Is it tomato? Mrs. Graham, the reverend's wife, asked as Lucy continued down the table. It is lobster bisque, Hannah replied, in a tomato base. It certainly is hearty, reverend Graham remarked. Hannah started to say something about the recipe but was interrupted by a high-pitched shriek from the end of the table. It took Hannah a moment to realize that it was Julia who was screaming frantically at the top of her lungs. Chapter 13 My shoulder! Oh, my shoulder! Julia shrieked. Several guests cried out as Julia leapt to her feet, sending her chair clattering to the floor. I'm so sorry, miss, Lucy cried, struggling to hold on to the big soup tureen. Ow, my shoulder, and look at my dress, Julia wailed. My arm was bumped. I didn't mean to spill it. Lucy backed timidly against the sideboard. Julia grabbed up her white linen napkin and began dabbing frantically at her shoulder and the neckline of her dress. Ow, it burns! A dark orange stain ran down the white lace shoulder of the gown onto the pink velvet bodice. Julia, dear, you may be excused to freshen yourself up, Simon called from the head of the table. He intended to be understanding, Julia knew, but she heard only disapproval in his voice. I have done something clumsy once again, Julia thought unhappily. Hannah would never have behaved so badly. Hannah wouldn't have screamed and knocked her chair over, Julia knew. Hannah wouldn't have made such a commotion. But what could she do? That steaming hot soup really burned. Are you hurt, sister? Do you need help? Hannah called from the other end of the table. No, I do not need help. Julia replied through clenched teeth. Disgusted with herself, she tossed a napkin onto the table, muttered, Excuse me, and started for the door. She could feel her face burning and knew she was blushing. She glanced at the doorway and stopped short when she saw the expression on Lucy's face. Was that a smile, a pleased smile? Late that night, after the guests had boarded their carriages and headed home, after the servants had cleaned up, Hannah and Julia met in the secret room only they knew about. It was a long, narrow room without windows, hidden behind the second pantry. Heat from the kitchen stove on the other side of the wall kept the small room cozy and warm. A small gas lamp cast a dim light. The two sisters had discovered the room when they were small children and had used it as a secret meeting place ever since. They had sneaked blankets and feather pillows in and sometimes pretended they were girls hiding in a faraway cave. That night, Julia did not feel like discussing little girl things her back resting on a pillow propped against a warm wall, her hands clasped tightly in the lap of her wool nightdress, Julia sighed unhappily. Beside her, Hannah yawned and tugged at a strand of fine blonde hair. 
Did you not see Lucy's expression? Julia demanded in a low whisper. They always whispered into the secret room, even though no one could hear. Did you not see the smile on the maid's face? Hannah shook her head thoughtfully. My eyes were on you, sister. It took me a while to see what all the commotion was. But afterward, Julia insisted impatiently, after I jumped up and knocked my chair over, did you not see Lucy smile as if she were pleased about what she had done to me? No, Hannah replied softly. I only heard Lucy apologize. I saw her smile, Julia exclaimed, raising her voice angrily. She spilled the soup from my bare shoulder deliberately. Why? Hannah asked, gesturing for her sister to lower her voice. I do not understand, Julia. Why would Lucy do such a thing? She has no reason to harm you. Julia ignored her sister's question. First, she broke my finest work of pottery. She apologized for that, too, as I recall, Julia said bitterly. And then she embarrassed me in front of father when I was trying so hard to to act the way he wants me to? Did father say anything to you, about me, about what happened? He seemed displeased that there was a disturbance, Hannah replied, yawning again. But I think father was very happy about the dinner. Happy about you, Julia muttered. Being hostess is such hard work, Hannah said. I thought my smile would freeze on my face. Lost in her own thoughts, Julia didn't appear to hear her. I am so tired, Hannah said, sighing. I think we had better go up to our rooms. Yes, Julia agreed. The two sisters climbed to their feet, leaving the pillows against the wall. Silently, they started toward the door. In the dark, empty pantry, Julia stopped and grabbed Hannah's hand. Just heed my warning, sister. Keep an eye on the new maid. Something about Lucy is not right. Too tired to argue, Hannah muttered her agreement, and the two sisters proceeded up the dimly lit stairway to their rooms. A single gaslight on the hallway wall provided the only light in the long corridor. As Hannah made her way to her bedroom, she saw Lucy silently slip out of her door and vanish into the shadows. How strange, Hannah thought, feeling chilled and afraid. The servants have all retired. Why was Lucy in my room at such a late hour? Curious, she stepped into the bedroom. Logs crackled pleasantly in the fireplace. Hannah's party dress had been removed from the chair on which she had tossed it. The bedclothes were neatly turned down. How nice of Lucy, Hannah thought, sliding into the linen sheets. She felt a momentary pang of guilt for talking about the new girl with Julia. I mustn't listen to Julia's wild accusations, she scolded herself. Hannah pulled the goose-down comforter up over her shoulders and let her head sink into the pillow. Smiling to herself, she listens to the soothing crackle of the fire. Oh, she whispered when she felt something move against her bare leg. It must be a wrinkle in a sheet, she told herself. She shut her eyes again. She was so sleepy. She hoped she could fall asleep quickly. Oh, Hannah froze. What was that? Did something move? Is something in my bed? She tried to cry out, but her voice caught in her throat as she felt something slither up her leg. Chapter 14 Too frightened to scream, Hannah felt a warm creature slide over her leg. She forced herself not to move, not to breathe. It curled itself around her ankle. Then she felt it uncoil. Oh! She uttered a low, terrified moan and leapt from her bed. In the flickering light of the dying fire, she tossed back the bedclothes and searched the shadows of her bed. She heard a hiss, then saw the flash of dark eyes. A snake! she cried in a tiny, frightened voice. Rising up on the wrinkled sheet, the snake arched its head and bared its pointed fangs, preparing to attack. Hannah stood frozen in terror. How did a snake get into my bed? Hannah asked aloud. How? Then with a short cry, 
Hannah sprang into action and threw the covers over the hissing creature and started to scream for help. Hannah's brothers were playing for the prank. They had been riding in the woods. They must have captured the snake and hidden it in Hannah's bed. They all denied it, but Simon ignored their protests and punished them. He had little patience for jokes and pranks. They do not lead anyone closer to success, he warned sternly. The next evening, Hannah was in her room dressing for dinner. Having pulled on a simple white linen frock, high-collared with a delicate red velvet ribbon at the throat, she heard a scrabbling at the door and turned to see Fluff, her tiny white terrier, prance into the room, a red ball clamped in his teeth. Not now. No ball playing, Hannah told the dog. You will make me late for dinner, Fluff. She gave the disappointed dog a gentle shove toward the door. Then she pulled open her wardrobe door to search for her white shoes. Where are they? she said, bending to search the bottom shelf. Lucy had straightened Hannah's room that afternoon. She must have moved the shoes, Hannah thought. She finally found them on the floor at the foot of her bed. Holding onto the bedpost, Hannah balanced on her left foot and slid her right foot into the low pump. Oh, she cried out as a sharp pain shot up her leg. Looking down, Hannah was horrified to see bright red blood trickling over the white heel of the shoe. As the sharp pain shot up from her foot, Hannah dropped to her knees on the bedroom floor and pulled off the shoe. Blood had already stained the inside of the shoe. Hannah bent to examine her foot. Wiping away the bright trickling blood with her fingers, she found a deep cut nearly an inch long on her heel. Stuck in the cut was a shard of clear glass. Oh! Grimacing with pain, Hannah pulled a piece of glass from the cut with trembling fingers. The blood flowed more rapidly from the open cut. Balancing on one leg, Hannah screamed for help. Mrs. Mackenzie appeared a few seconds later. She guided Hannah to the bed. Hannah hopped on one foot, leaving a trail of blood. Then the housekeeper hurried out for gauze bandages. Hannah, what has happened? Julia entered the room breathlessly, a frightened expression on her face. Seeing the trail of blood across the floor, Julia guessed. I'm all right, I believe, Hannah told her, watching the blood flow from her heel. I, I cut my foot. How? Julia demanded, stepping over the blood-covered shoe to get to Hannah's bedside. Hannah held up the piece of glass that she kept tightly gripped in her hand. It was in my shoe, she said grimacing from a shot of pain that traveled up her leg. How dreadful, Julia declared, staring at all the blood. Lucy cleaned my room today, Hannah added darkly. I believe you may be right about her, Julia. She... Hannah stopped as Mrs. Mackenzie returned with the gauze bandages. Julia watched as the housekeeper expertly cleaned and then bandaged Hannah's injured foot. The bleeding will stop soon, Mrs. Mackenzie assured Hannah, patting her shoulder as if she were still a little girl. You will be able to come down to dinner in a few minutes, but I would not advise any long hikes for a few days, Miss Hannah. Hannah thanked Mrs. Mackenzie. As soon as the housekeeper had left the room, Hannah turned back to Julia. Lucy cleaned my room and moved my shoes. I believe you were right about her. She deliberately. Julia raised a hand to stop her sister's accusation. Are you really sure that Lucy put the glass in your shoe? Who else could have done it? Hannah demanded impatiently staring down fretfully at the bandaged foot. We must tell father at once. That girl must go. She must be dismissed today. She is a menace. Ow! she cried out, feeling another stab of pain. Julia lowered herself to the bed beside her sister and put a comforting arm around Hannah. Try to calm yourself, sister, she said in a whisper. We do not want to accuse Lucy if she is innocent. Innocent, Hannah cried shrilly. We have no proof, Julia said, playing with Hannah's blonde hair. 
soothingly braiding it and unbraiding it as she had done when they were younger. We do not know that Lucy put the glass in the shoe. No one else was in my room, Hannah exclaimed. But the glass may have fallen from Lucy's dustpan, Julia said. It may have been an accident, a bit of carelessness. But, Julia, I have my own suspicions about Lucy, as you know, Julia continued, ignoring her sister's protest. But I do not think we should accuse her in front of father until we have proof. Hannah stared hard at her sister. Father is right about Julia, she thought with some sadness. Julia is too timid. She has no backbone. She is reluctant to stand up to even a servant girl. But Hannah decided to back down. Very well, she said softly. I will give Lucy one more chance. Can you walk down to dinner, or will you need help? Julia asked, getting to her feet. I can walk, Hannah replied softly. Go ahead. You know father hates to be kept waiting for his dinner. Mother has actually left her room and is joining us tonight, Julia announced. How nice, Hannah declared. I shall be right down. Give me a few moments to brush my hair and straighten my dress. As soon as Julia had left the room, Hannah gingerly climbed to her feet. She found that if she stepped lightly on her cut foot, standing nearly on tiptoes, she could walk with little pain. Putting most of her weight on the uninjured foot, she made her way across the room to her small dresser mirror and began to brush her hair. She had finished and set down the brush when she felt another presence in the room, someone to the side of her, staring at her. Hannah spun around quickly and cried out in surprise. Lucy was standing in the room, her cheeks bright red, a frightening, wild-eyed expression on her face. As Hannah shrank back against the dresser, Lucy darted forward quickly to attack her. 